Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. You know, Lent can be a time to welcome new traditions into our lives, especially ones that are rooted in prayer. This Holy Week, we invite you to reflect on the life of Christ in a unique way through a series of radio plays first produced by the BBC in the early 1940s focused on bringing the Gospels to life. Joining us today is Catherine Ware, PhD, Managing Editor of Logos, a journal of Catholic thought and culture published by St. Thomas's Center for Catholic Studies. Catherine has edited a new edition of The Man Born to be King, which shows the humanity and divinity of Christ. Dr. Ware, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Patrick. Oh, it's good to be with you. Thank you for this. And I, I am just really intrigued by this, not least because I'm in radio, of course, but um, yeah. uh, I love radio dramas. I love listening to them. But this is something new to me. So, um, you know, when we were working on scheduling you for the show, you mentioned that the man born to be king, it's widely studied at classical schools. It's a favorite for mm-hmm. some home educators. Even C.S. Lewis claimed to reread them every year during Holy Week. So start us off by telling us more about what they are. What are these? What is this? series of plays, and um, what makes it so compelling? Yeah, so The Man Born to be King is a series of 12 radio plays, and as you say, they were on air in the 1940s, and actually right in the midst of World War II. So there's some some connections to the war as well. Um, but as you say, yes, C.S. Lewis, um, not just rumored to, we know for sure that he read them every year during Holy Week. He was a friend of, of the author, Dorothy L. Sayers, and wrote her letters and said, I am, as always, rereading The Man Born to be King during Holy Week. Um, hmm. And uh, so it's a wonderful series of plays, you know, obviously, Life of Christ, so it goes all the way from the Nativity to the Ascension. Um, and in a way, it's a, a good way to think about it, it's sort of like the Chosen of the 1940s. Oh, okay. um, there were people that loved them, and people that, you know, took little issues with things here or there, whatever, um, but very popular at the time and uh, have, have continued to be in print. And now this new edition um, offers a few new features, which I can tell you about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm already intrigued and, and want to know more, definitely. And um, yeah, so, but these aren't, these aren't necessarily something, you, you can interact with these. You can take these in in a printed version, obviously, because you have okay. just uh, you have edited and annotated, as I understand it, a new kind mm-hmm. of release of these. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Um, they, this new edition gives you kind of the background story along with it. So there's the full text of the plays there to enjoy. And then I've written a short introduction to each of the 12 plays. And then within the plays, I have... Um, footnotes that give you all of the scripture references, which is something that's never been available before. And I always wanted to know as a reader, like, which gospel is this story in? Um, So all those are there now. And of course, the the characters quote the Old Testament all the time. So there's a lot of Old Testament references as well as gospel references. Um, And then also on the sides, I have excerpts from her letters, um, or there are sometimes things that, you know, because these were written 80 years ago, a few things feel old-fashioned or whatever, so maybe some readers, or even things that are sort of particularly British, that right. American readers might not catch immediately, and so I have little side notes that might define a word or give a little um, cultural background. And then um, a lot of people wrote to Sayers or to the BBC asking questions about them, so sometimes those are the really interesting nuggets. You know, why did you combine the character of Mary Magdalene and 
Mary of Bethany and the Sinful Woman of Luke 7. So people wrote her about that, and she actually thought quite a lot about that. Um, so she has a funny response, for instance, where she says, well, I, you know, I know that uh, biblical scholars often see them as different people. Church tradition has often kept them together. But I, as a writer for radio, I can't just have all these Marys everywhere. Um, so <laughs> kind of yep. kind of a cute response. Um, but those right. kinds of little nuggets are the things that you find in the, the side columns to help readers along. Oh, that's really great. That's great. Tell us a little bit. I, I'm, I, I know the name, but I'll admit I don't know that much about Dorothy L. Sayers. So can you tell mm, us a little sure. bit about her? Sure. Um, she is a... A wonderful writer. As I said, a friend of C.S. Lewis, so their their dates are, are just within a few years of each other. Of um, They're very much contemporaries. Um, but she started out writing a little bit of poetry, but then she got into mystery fiction. So her um, character of Lord Peter Whimsey is someone that actually a lot of people know, either through reading her mystery books or from BBC adaptations of those books. Sure. Uh, so some people just know her through that. Some people know her through her, uh, she wrote stage plays as well as radio plays, so they know that. Um, a lot of classical schoolers today read her essay, The Lost Tools of Learning. So that's a way that a lot of people are getting to know her now through that. Um, and then she also spent the last about 15 years of her life working on Dante and did oh. a, a translation of Dante and wrote a lot of essays, which are still really valuable for people that are studying Dante. So she just has all kinds of different things that she was interested in, um, which makes her a wonderful author to get to know. Yeah, a rich storehouse of all sorts of great things, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm I'm salivating mentally here, I guess, is something, <laughs> is how I might put it. But so um, how long is the is are these plays? I mean, is this something that conceivably, I mean, if C.S. Lewis could read them in Holy Week, but um, can the average practicing Catholic uh, read them in during Holy Week? And how, how might you suggest that we interact with them? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think... Maybe C.S. Lewis was a faster reader than many people. Um, but uh, so a couple different ways you could do it. You could, you know, get a copy of the plays, and you could actually, if you wanted to, just within Holy Week, you could just focus on plays 8 through 12, which is, you know, play 8 is the triumphal entry, and then play 12 is the resurrection and ascension play. So you could kind of just focus on those during Holy Week and then come back and read the plays about his birth and ministry. Okay. Um, so that's one way to do it. You could um, also, there are recordings of them that are available through Audible uh, right now. And that was, I was going to ask, yeah. Re-released. So, um, but those are slightly shortened versions of the plays. So they, there's things that they cut for time, like um, one of my favorite uh, speeches by the uh, Virgin Mary um, as Jesus is carrying his cross. She's a beautiful speech. Um, that basically kind of explains the hypostatic union, what we call Christ's divinity and humanity. Um, and she uh, just says, I know now who he is and who I am. Um, God is the truth, but I, Mary, am the fact. But Christ is truth and fact. So it's just, she develops it further, but it's sort of like the Nicene Creed, right, in using... Um, more uh, every language. But that speech, for instance, always gets cut for a time because it's long and people think, oh, maybe it'll be too theological. But uh. so there's lots of nuggets to find in the, the printed edition, but you could also just enjoy, um, or even along with it, um, 
the the audible versions, and be, especially with with kids, that would be a great way to yeah. uh, get into the plays here during Holy Week. Oh man, okay, that sounds that sounds like a great practice as well. Something to really focus in. And what were the numbers of the of the plays again? Who that focus on his passion? Right. So beginning with play eight, which is called Royal Progress, okay. um, which begins with the triumphal entry right. into Jerusalem. Perfect. Okay. All right. Play eight. That's where that's where we need to start. If we're if, as you said, if we're not quite as as uh, <laughs> a quick of a reader as C.S. Lewis was, right? So, mm-hmm. um, okay. Very good. Now, um, I'm I'm intrigued too about uh, just picking up a, a copy of your your recently edited and annotated uh, version here of the Man Born to Be King. But by the way, we're speaking with Catherine Ware, PhD, managing editor of Logos, a journal of Catholic thought and culture published by St. Thomas's Center for Catholic Studies, about a great uh, Lenten and Holy Week uh, practice that will draw us into closer into the Lord through these this series of radio plays aired originally in the 1940s by Dorothy L. Sayers called The Man Born to be King. And um, what um, what would be, I guess what I want to ask is, well, first of all, how how does one come across or how, how do you obtain a copy of your of your new new edition of The Man Born to be King? Sure. Um, so it's published by IVP Academic. And um, so you could go to their website. You could find it on Amazon. A lot of other, um, you know, book dis- distributing uh, companies sell it as well. Um, you could go to my website, which is just katherineware.com, and I have links to it there as well. Um, so those are some great ways. Okay. All right. Very good. And I'm also, uh, I'm intrigued by, now, as I understand it, am I right in this that uh, you actually did your doctoral dissertation on Dorothy L. Sayers. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So this is this project is very satisfying for me in a way because you know you spend this time you know digging into things. I had a big chart, you know, showing how she was using the gospels and stuff, but like no one's gonna read a PhD dissertation that's full <laughs> of charts, right? But so here in this version I'm able to make that information available and useful to people. So now you know, they can just look into the footnotes and say, ah, oh, this story is in John 6, um, mm. or whatever it is. Oh, oh, and she's using details from Luke. So that kind of thing people can see without, you know, bothering about the big charts I created. But those charts were helpful in helping me figure out how to analyze it. But now that information is in a useful proximity to the actual text I'm talking about. So it's Got it. good okay. for everybody. Yeah, very good. So just curious, what drew you into this in the first place? What drew you into Dorothy L. Sayers and The Man Born to be King? Yeah, my my first degree is in theater, actually. And so when I was in graduate school in a, a Christianity and the Arts master's program, I had to do a book report, and they just gave us a list. And so I pulled this one off the list because I thought, ooh, drama, that, you know, that would be right right up my alley. And um, so I love the plays. And then I got into reading her mysteries, and then reading some of her nonfiction. And, um, and then when it came time to uh, be thinking about a PhD, um, I actually had been teaching theology. And so I had used these plays sometimes with my students, which was a, a great, really fun class activity. Um, and then so I was thinking, like, what, what materials have I been using that I would like to dig into maybe and see if there's any scholarly work that could be done on them. So I did some research on the background of the plays, and I thought, oh, actually, there's not much written at all 
Um, it had just been mentioned a lot by her biographers, but there, you know, there wasn't a whole book about them or even really any scholarly article. So I, you know, saw an opening and yeah. uh, jumped in and spent those years um, at the University of St. Andrews working on the plays. And um, it's just been a real fun thing to um, write about, but also um, speak about because when I when I speak, I can you know we can pass out a few scenes, read them, and then people really enjoy getting into them because it helps them see themselves in the stories of the Gospels and imagine what it might be like to actually be there when Jesus is healing someone or giving this teaching that they've you know heard in a in a gospel reading at mass, but they you know, it, it comes alive in a whole new way when they themselves are acting the part of a character. <laughs> wow. Well, Catherine, I got to say, you're, you're, you're pressing all my buttons here because not, <laughs> not only on, on the faith and entering closer into the Lord, but also at the University of St. Andrews, you say, oh my goodness, now yes. my Anglophile buttons are being pushed as well, <laughs> which is great, which definitely extends. I recognize St. Andrews is in Scotland, but um, that's mm-hmm. um, just wonderful uh, to hear that. And and what a great what a great setting, too, for delving in further to, uh, to this woman and her work. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, any ways that you can share about how specifically, in just our last couple of minutes here, on how your, all your work... Um, especially on The Man Born to be King, has enriched your own spiritual life? Yes, definitely. Um, that when I, I felt like the, the years working on my Ph.D., I just got to really kind of bathe in the Gospels, because, um, of course, I was tracking, you know, what stories are in what Gospels, so I feel like I got to know them in a, in a mm. practical way, but also just spending time with um, Christ and, and how... Christ is being portrayed, um, but really getting to know these these stories, spending my whole day um, looking at them and tracking them um, was really a, a spiritual exercise as well, um, and it's a joy to to share these with others. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's been a wonderful gift, um, yeah. and in a way that you know sometimes we have things in our life where we see oh. God is so good. He's he's brought together things like I, you know, my theater major, which I, you know, used a little bit after I graduated and then um, moved on to other things. But it's like the Lord brought it back around in a way that made sense with my other training and research, and it's uh, it's been a real gift. It's amazing how he. Uh... He he rarely fails to to uh, use things that he's placed in our lives, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. he usually comes back around and brings them to fruition, which is he's he's really good at that. The Lord is, yeah, <laughs> and, and not always in the way we expect. I, exactly, I, I, yeah, I rarely, like, probably. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> right. I say, like, I want my life to be like a novel, like there's no plot, um, and it's just that I'm I'm looking on such a smaller scale. The right. Lord looks on a large scale, and He doesn't forget things oh. and and uh, surprises us often and brings them back around excellent reminder well Catherine Ware we are so grateful for you sharing on the program today and sharing all of your work with the world through this new edited and annotated version of the man born to be king thank you for joining us on practicing Catholic Catherine God bless you thank you I really appreciate the opportunity thanks Patrick for more on Catherine Ware visit her website at catherineware.com that's k-a-t-h-r-y-n-w-e-h-r And to get a copy of her annotated edition of The Man Born to be King, visit ivypress.com and search The Man Born to be King. Who knows where the Holy Spirit will lead you this Lent and Holy Week. 
Well, stick around. We'll be chatting with the Net Ministry's new president, David Rinaldi, when we come back from this quick timeout. We'll be right back. 